Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. Okay, and welcome listeners to the podcast, God Beyond the Bible. This is podcast number 56, and uh, just want to welcome everybody, and let's just jump right in. We got some shout outs? Yeah, our shout outs this week are to Mark Thion, Loretta Charles, and Nathan Banker. All right. How about the quote of the week, Tab? All right. Our quote of the week is from Maya Angelou, and she says, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Don't need to add it. Okay. Last episode, number 55, uh, we discussed, to put it straightforward, the emotions and difficulties one encounters as they endeavor to leave the organized church. And uh, we talked about the reasons people have for leaving the organized church. And we pointed out the fact that usually this does not mean we're abandoning our faith. Sometimes quite the opposite. Our personal spiritual growth has taken us beyond the God in the box approach uh, that many, if not most organizations promoting the Christian religion seem to maintain. And um, they expect its participants to stay within the perimeters of that figurative box. And I want to go ahead before we go into this little script. I do a little outline and this must have been, we're going to call this outline the redundant outline. Did you guys see how many times I repeated? (laughs) (laughs) I reused the same word in a sentence to repeat itself. Anyway, let's go. Let's go on. Okay. So we, all of us here at God Beyond the Bible have found it interesting just how many people we encountered that actually enjoy our outside the box approach to God and the Bible. But they also tell us that they can never discuss or even bring up most of the topics in their local church organization for fear of being labeled a heretic or whatever label is popular today to describe those who don't conform to the particulars of a certain organizational creed. So before we begin the second episode dedicated to helping folks who have made this decision to exit a particular brand of Christianity or to leave the organized church completely, we feel we need to say that It isn't faith that's the problem. It's the attempt to build and promote organizations, which, as we pointed out before, are patterned after big business and government. Mm -hmm. Well, if we've learned anything by studying the history of man, trying to bring spiritual seekers together under a single canopy of an organization, it's that whenever the organization establishes a creed it will adopt, it becomes intolerant to any person or group who may question, challenge, or outright disagree with the adopted creed of the organization itself. Mm-hmm. And secondly, there will be a self-elevating hierarchy 
because actually I say that wrong. It's hierarchy. You okay. guys were right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there will be a self-elevating hierarchy that keeps its participants in check. And with few exceptions, this group of keepers of the creed will benefit personally and financially from their positions and offices of man-made authority. And that's just a fact. It, it is. is. All right. So with that being said, let's just dive into segment one. Um, so we felt as though we should back up into the last week's episode with a practical approach and hopefully some tools that a person who's decided to opt out of the organized church, you know, what's something that might benefit right. them. Sure. Right. Well, perhaps we should begin by presenting the two opposing somewhat philosophical views being entertained in this emotionally charged situation. The first being the organization itself. Yeah, the church, the group. The perceived position held by the people representing the organized church seems to be one of, if you want to know God and please God, you need us to direct your pursuit. Or possibly a better way of stating it would be, you've got questions about God and we have the monopoly on the answers. And you know, that's something that a friend and I were just discussing earlier, just a matter of fact, as Tracing came in, and uh, nothing could be farther from the truth. You know, I keep going back, and, and my mind keeps going back to the words of Jesus when he promised the coming of the Holy Spirit, that everybody mm-hmm. would have, mm-hmm. you know, we'd have the Holy Spirit. And he t- promised them about the Holy Spirit. He said, when he comes, he will he will teach you all things. And he backed it up with saying, you will have no need for a man to teach you. Mm-hmm. You will need no man to teach you. I mean, it's telling us it's it's in us. It's within us. Mm-hmm. We can find it. Uh, so, let's see. Am I the second on two, Tabby? There is no doubt. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I got lost, <laughs> well, guys. Well, I did too. Yeah, I jumped there's, in there. There's no doubt that every faction of the some 33,000 denominations. That's crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> just that there are that many yes, denominations. Who consider themselves New Testament churches believe that they are ordained of God, that they are the representatives of God on earth, and to participate, promote, and support their particular brand is, in essence, doing God's will. And and, and let's remember where we're going here. We're trying to present this force that you're going up against if you decide to depart the church, mm-hmm. you decide to leave the church. This is the mindset of kind of the organization, and it becomes the mindset of the people that are really deeply committed to the organization well and i'm going to tell you guys um you know my exit from the church has been a little bit later than y'all's really Mm -hmm. so i'm kind of going through but the other day i was um you know i've been really contemplating this and listening in it and i was really turned off i heard someone speaking about how if we can't give god his two hours a week You know, if we can't be there when the doors are open Mm -hmm. and we can't do this, then are we really even? And I I took offense to that. I I would too. I do too. And we've all probably said it when we Uh were participating in it. We're probably guilty of that. Well, our experience has been, for example, that a person's financial contributions supporting any one of these particular brands are the same as giving to God. Now, we're still talking about this Mm -hmm. is where the organization comes from. That's the same as giving to God. And those in elevated offices and positions within these organizations are speaking for God when they promote their creed. Now, am I being unfair? No. No. Have you not ever heard someone say that? Well, you're going to give to God. We're going to pass around the offer so you can give to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're not insinuating that the folks who represent these organizations are purposefully deceiving folks for gain. 
On the contrary, for the most part, these folks are fully devoted to their creed, and they truly believe that they are speaking for and representing God. All 33,000. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Different ones. And the reason this is important to know is that when you're fully persuaded that your creed is divinely ordained, you naturally perceive any challenge to that creed as an attack. And anyone who questions it becomes the enemy. Sure. It naturally follows that a person who makes the decision to opt out of the organization has become an enemy of the organization, Mm -hmm. thus making them an enemy of God himself, and they must be perceived and treated as such. Well, now, the position of a person who may have decided, we've talked about the organization's position Mm -hmm. here. Now, I'm not just, we're not just painting with a broad brush. Again, we say... Uh, you may find it different, but we gotta. You've got to consider when you're opting out, you are challenging the creed. You're mm-hmm. challenging the established, you know, uh, denomination. Now, the position of a person who may have decided to opt out of the organization, uh, that person has, for whatever reason, decided that they have changed in their perception and perspective concerning who God is and what should be considered godly. Does that make any sense? It does. All right. The first important step is to try to maintain an understanding of the philosophy that the proponents of the organization are operating under. You know, it's not likely that they're going to speak to you or treat you exactly the same way as they did when they thought you shared their philosophical creed. And it might help to try and think about how you at one time may have mistakenly perceived those who did not attend church services when you were promoting the organization from the inside. Yeah, and you know, it was hard for us to, well, why don't they want to be part of this great thing? Why are they just lackluster? Why do they just show up Mm -hmm. occasionally? Why are they just here once a month? Why are they only here the nights we have dinner? Why are they... Why can't they give God the... (laughs) Right. So, I'm going to throw in... Yeah. I'm going to throw in this quote by um, the guy I gave a shout out to earlier, Nathan Banker. Okay. Is Is it Banker or Baker? Banker with an E. Okay, all right. I was hearing you. I think Tabby read this too. I did. It was yeah. on a group that we're in, the Heretics Happy mm-hmm. Hour. Um, he said, Are you advertising for other podcasts here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Just throwing ahead. it in there. All right. Um, he says, Is anyone else weirded out by how the gospel is talked about as if it's a being or a person? As in, the gospel will not be stopped or the gospel will change your heart. Similarly, Similar to how many treat their Bibles like a spell book. Mm -hmm. The gospel must be some magic amulet that gives you a plus 23 bonus to your charisma rolls. (laughs) Or maybe it's just a non-player character that you bring with you everywhere and he beats people into conversion. It seems that by reducing the gospel to this being-like force, it makes it less malleable. It's no longer a message that can be quite expansive and open to interpretation. It's now this one little thing, which happens to align perfectly with everything I already think. <laughs> but if you disagree or question it, question it, you are the enemy of the gospel. The Bible does not have divine status and neither does the gospel. These are just things that are easier to understand and control than God. Yeah. Uh, and and kudos was it Nathan? Yes, Nathan. Kudos, and I thought that kudos, kudos to that. you. That's that was that was put together well. Now, don't get me wrong, you're probably not going to be popular if you say that in your church group. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> don't don't, ex- don't, don't expect don't expect to be elevated right. in your group. 
Okay, as difficult as it is, we must take into account that the people who are persuaded that they have discovered and are living by the correct creed may perceive, may perceive your decision to step back or to opt out as a personal attack on them. After all, they may be fully committed to the organization, and this is their identity of themselves. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been, you know, how many I times? I have been that how many, yeah, well, exactly. and, and how many times? What church do you go to? Mm -hmm. I get asked that regularly. Yeah, what church? What church do you but attend? But I've also been the one asking that question. Your I mean, church, I don't yeah, have a church anywhere. Do. Yeah, it also may be that you have put those people into a position of having to rethink or reevaluate, or in the very least, defend their collective belief. You know, when somebody walks away, especially take me as a pastor that I've kind of just walked away from the organized church. I mean, I'm sure there are people that are wondering oh, what's wrong, what's went wrong, what's going wrong, because yeah. they think it's got to be something going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Something has to it have gone wrong. You had well. a horrible experience, and yeah. that's why you've decided. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah it has to be. Tabitha, I okay, think you're so five. In short, be very careful. It is always best to choose the dignified approach, yes, considering yes. the deep held convictions of those who are participants in the organization and the emotional response that could erupt when they feel threatened. As compelling as the idea may seem, <laughs> any attempt to explain your position and decision for leaving usually almost always ends poorly yeah, probably more than usually yeah considering the emotionally charged circumstances it is much too likely for your attempt to vindicate your personal decision to be perceived as suddenly becoming a situation of who is right and who is wrong and that's what it always comes down to isn't it yeah that's what all the fuss is now well i'm right well, yeah. I know I'm right, and if you're going to believe that, you can be wrong if you want to. Yes. That's kind of the way. I didn't mean to jump in No, the it's okay. And take into account that person has the opportunity to retreat into the support, the reassurance and support of the organization. And w while you end up being, you know, you left, you're left feeling alone, frustrated, and completely misunderstood. Yeah, and we're talking about have... as you exit the church. I mean, they're going to yeah. go back and go, they're going to say, what did they say? What did he say? What did she say? Uh, what did you tell them? Well, I told them they needed to be, well, you did good. You did yeah. good. You're and, one of, you, you, you told sometimes... them right. And, and I'm not putting down the people. Remember, no. we're, 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 we're battling philosophies here. Right. And, and we live choose, by our philosophies. When you choose not to do that, you can come under criticism just for not arguing because, like, well, they're just complacent. They don't care. Yeah, yeah they don't care. They don't yeah, care. They're just you know? And I want to say, too, that you're not, you're going to feel alone sometimes, but mm -hmm. you're not. And maybe you'll have to reach out to some of the online groups until you find someone close to you who there you go. is in the same position you yeah. are, but you're not you may, alone. You may have to listen to some podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you may have to listen to a few podcasts. Talk to us. You can email yeah. us. We're here. And with that word, let's go ahead and pause and regroup, and we'll come back in with part two of episode 56. And let me say, I think this is just a two-part episode. It, right? it is. And I don't think mm -hmm. we said that. Okay. And welcome back, listeners, to the second and final segment of this 56th episode of God Beyond the Bible, the podcast by Seekers and For Seekers. We are continuing our discussion on exiting the organized church. After more or less gently easing into the topic, let's go ahead and cut to the chase, the heart of the matter. The main concern of anyone who is contemplating exiting the organized church is the concern of how is God going to react to my decision? And 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 we've got to think about this. We've been basically we're we don't we even talk like it is 
God's there. That's where God is. Mm-hmm. That's his house. Uh, well, we're after, we'll talk about that at some point. <laughs> but see, we're going to have an episode on how we have rebuilt the old mm-hmm. Judaic mm-hmm. system and the temple and all of this. And brick by brick, we put all of the law and all of that back together. Something that Jesus came to take away. Yes, yes. And we have brick by brick built that back. But anyway. So we've already established the fact that most religious institutions and organizations consider themselves to be ordained of God, which is to say that they believe themselves to be God's personal representatives of himself on earth. And hold your place there. But I want to say we see that in missions all the time. We see mm-hmm. that in mission mm-hmm. talk all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're... we're uh, uh, we're ordained of God. We're God's personal representatives. We're his ambassadors. Yes. Okay, go ahead. So one of the underlying but perhaps unspoken components of this belief is that to communicate with or establish and maintain a meaningful relationship with God, one must utilize the organization. In other words, if you want to know anything about God, we are the only established manner by which one may obtain that goal. And this, listen, this was a hard fought thing to get this into this perspective mm-hmm. because the first 300 years after the fall of Jerusalem, after the early church and the fall of Jerusalem and the temple, for 300 years, man was just kind of out there and we were all, in, which I think was a good period. Mm-hmm. But then Rome decided we need to bring this all under one canopy here. Well, and I'll tell you guys, um, one of the funny things about as you start to grow and open yourself more and stuff, I, there was a quote I came across several years ago that says no single organization holds the monopoly on truth. And that's true. And it is. And it's one of the most freeing things to me now. But when I first read it, I didn't like that very much. And doesn't that apply to everything? Yeah. But in the church too? Mm-hmm. I can hear that wind blowing in my it headphones. Is blowing, yes. We're getting March wind here at the, <laughs> at the end of February. Is it me on two? Mm-hmm. So naturally, the proponents and participants of the organization are going to be of the opinion that since they are ordained to represent God, any attempts to establish a relationship with Him outside the authority of the organization are in vain and not acknowledged by a response from God. When we say it this way, doesn't it sound strange, even to those of us who have spent most of our lives in these organizations? It does. It definitely that, has a cringe factor. Yeah, that yeah. God, you, you know, God's just, can't, he can't respond. He's not going to respond to you outside that organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've said this over and over, and we know people who do this. Well, all they really need to do is get in church. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean to laugh. You need but a church family. Because I've said those same things myself, but man, when you, when you, when you grow beyond that, it just... You start seeing it more and more, and you realize that maybe you didn't have it all just perfect, you know? Okay, so let's ask You don't think you had a monopoly on truth? I don't think I did. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure. Your (laughs) organization didn't have a monopoly on the truth? Okay. Okay, so let's ask straight up. What does God think of those who choose to pursue a, a relationship with him outside the tradition of doing it in an established, organized religion? Or let's ask it another way. Does God respond positively to us as an in, as individuals who are not represented or sanctioned by the organization? And of course, we think the answer is a resounding yes. absolutely yes. So, I mean, for me, it's would God rather have this semi-engaged me on Sunday who's sitting here disagreeing with 
a lot of the teachings that I'm hearing. And not only that, not just disagreeing, but at the point when I was fully immersed in the church, just not wanting to be there. I mean, I wasn't thinking about... You start getting the Brad Paisley long sermon on a yes. pretty Sunday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and tracing there on four, you're going to have to watch because yeah. the last two words on that, there's one of my redundant. <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone listening right now <laughs> there <it is. laughs> has the quote from the New Testament letter to the Hebrews playing in a loop in their head. We're talking about the verse that uses the phrase, forsake not the assembling mm-hmm. of yourselves together. And of course, we don't know who the Hebrew author was of right. the Hebrews, but he was writing to the early Christians mm-hmm. of, of that day. Well, when we read this text, influenced by our modern Western mindset, we are positively sure that the writer is telling us that we need to be active participants in an organized group that meets at a certain time each Sunday morning, then again Sunday evening at a particular time, and if possible, midweek in a prayer Bible study group. Is that a fair perceived mental footnote that we place on that verse? It is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is merely one of the many, many errors we make when we read the ancient New Testament text from an applied perspective of our modern organized religious perspective. Yeah. In reality, we have little or no information in the New Testament text itself that pertains to the place, the time, the day, the manner, or the frequency to which the believers of that era even met. Mm-hmm. We are to presume that early on, they likely based their activity on the familiar temple worship. And we have clear indications that this was particularly true of the converted Jewish believers who made up the church in Jerusalem. Yeah, because if you read different ones, if you read there in Acts, that, I think it was Peter and John, wasn't it, where Peter said, silver or gold have I none, but what I have I give you. Where were, where were Peter and John going? Does anybody remember? They're going to the temple. They were on their way up to the temple. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and then can we know that James and Peter and all of them were still there mm-hmm. basically participating in the temple worship. Yeah. Uh, is it me down here? Mm-hmm. We tend? Mm-hmm. Is that me? We tend to think that they did church pretty much like we do it today. But people who study the history of that time know this isn't so. We know that Paul mentioned folks who used their homes as a place for believers to meet, yet that is about as far as the information goes. Mm-hmm. In his encounter with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman asked Jesus a very telling question. She said to Jesus that she knew that the Jews say that Jerusalem is the only place that God is to be worshipped and that her sect of religion, the Samaritans, say that it is their temple on their mountain that God is to be worshipped. Jesus answered her half statement, half question like this. He said, I tell you the truth that the time will come, in fact already has come, that the true worshippers of God will not worship him from either mountain, but will worship him from the heart in spirit and truth. These are the true worshipers of God, and this is the worship he truly desires. Can you be any plainer? I don't think you can. One doesn't have to know much about the culture of that day to realize what Jesus was saying. His words seem to clearly verify that God wasn't particularly fond of the established, (laughs) orchestrated, and organized manner in which people had come to believe was the only way God could be worshipped and believed. It was the only worship God responded to. And I have to say, 
if you still don't think this is right, go back and read the minor prophets in the Old Testament where yeah. God says again and again, I don't want your sacrifice. I don't and, want your and, temple and, and, worship. Yeah. It's worthless. And we call them minor prophets, but I think Isaiah was one of them. And I can't remember which chapter it was. It seemed like the very first chapter in the book yes. of Isaiah where the prophet Isaiah says, God says, I despise Mm-hmm. Your offering, your I despise. To I, yeah, me. I, yeah, all of this. I mean, he just Isaiah just lays it on the line, and it's like, what's amazing? I, we need to do more. You got, we need to do it more often than <laughs> more yeah. of it. I guess I don't know. Am I seven? I'm you lost are. again. Uh, using Jesus' words to answer the straightforward question we presented at the beginning of this segment, which was, what might God think of people who are seeking to know Him outside the organized church? It sure sounds like Jesus is saying He loves it. It's exactly what he wants. Yeah. So perhaps should we, you know, we should repeat what we have said over and over again on this podcast. If we are basing our relationship with God on anything other than our personal pursuit and experiences, and instead on what others tell us of their personal experience and their relationship with God, we don't really have a personal relationship at all. It is vicarious. Absolutely. Based on the knowledge and experience of someone else and their account of who God is and what he desires of us in the relationship. The organized church is no exception. We may be substituting the sanctioning and approval of the leaders of a particular brand of an organization for that personal heartfelt worship of God the Father in spirit and truth. To put it in the master's words to the humble Samaritan woman in her pursuit of spiritual fulfillment. All right. And that's what he said to her, right? Mm-hmm. Those who worship me, the time now is, yeah, they'll worship me here. in spirit and in truth. It yes. won't be in a temple, in a place, in a building, on a mountain, mm-hmm. somewhere. Are we ready to conclude? I believe we are. I think so. Okay. Admittedly, when a person decides for whatever reason to break from or exit the organized church altogether, there just isn't a clearly defined path or a guide to follow. And matter of fact, let me go ahead and say there's not much of a support group either. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we made that point about the people who are going to fuss with you that you're going to yeah. try to argue mm-hmm. with about why or try to explain to you. They have a support group. They're going to fall right back into a support right. group, and you don't have that. Although research indicates that there is a clear majority of professed believers who don't regularly attend religious services, and some have written about their experiences to encourage others who are going through a similar struggle. In fact, I'm going to pause right there and say there's even people got some YouTube things out yes. of how, to, how they left the church and some of the stuff they went through. We just want you to know that many of these organizations who claim to be the exclusive voice for God have made that determination because they have convinced themselves that their creed is the right one. Mm-hmm. And any who do not agree with them are just wrong. Our main piece of advice, based on our personal experience, is just do what you feel you have to do in order to enter into a personal relationship with God. Don't make it your mission to prove why you think the modern organized church is wrong. It is not the organization itself you will find yourself at odds with. (laughs) It is the deeply rooted philosophy that the institution, you know, the, the philosophy behind you know, the institution is large and based on centuries mm-hmm. of tradition, coupled with the fact that so many have participated in and supported the institution through time, that their creed must be ordained of God in the only creed he honors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we that may be on the inside of these institutions looking out may need to rethink our position. Because as it stands, there seems to be, a str- to be stronger numbers on the outside seeking than those content to seek from within. Yes. 
Well said. Until next time, as always, God's grace, peace, and love on each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.